Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun VTailgate podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. It is myself and Matt DiStefano breaking down NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We first break down the Wild Week 18 to close out the regular season, the college football playoff national championship game where Georgia took down Alabama before previewing all six games spanning from Saturday to Monday. This one was a lot of fun to record. Can't wait to hear what you all think. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, search the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Instagram, Thunderblog Sports is the handle there, ThunderBLG on Twitter. But enjoy this week's episode, enjoy the football. We will talk to you next week. And here we go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always, is the man, the myth, the legend himself, here to talk some playoff football, Mr. Matty D. How are you, my friend? Invigorated after this past weekend, let me tell you. From a football standpoint, pretty fantastic what we got to see, both at the collegiate but the professional level as well. And most importantly, the the fabulous Thunderbirds of the Vince Lombardi Memorial Football League established 1986. I was obviously not born then, but we, by the skin of our teeth and the hair on our nuts, whatever that line is, made the playoffs. We, I had to stay up and watch the entire Sunday night football game to make sure of it, but we squeaked in by scoring four total more points than, than the ninth place team. And so we, I've never missed the playoffs as long as, as soon as I became the, I started as the uh, director of player personnel for my father. And now I'm a co-owner, 49%, obviously Papa D takes 50, 51 to make sure he has controlling interest, but I've never missed a playoff with him. Um, Obviously, the league is a little different than some other leagues many of our listeners may be involved with. We go all now 18 weeks of the season, crown a regular season champion, and then redraft with some rules in the playoffs for a Super Bowl champion as well. Um, uh, different, different league, but we love it. I love the longevity of it. It makes, makes for a really fun year, and I've never missed, and this is our closest yet. So excited to be back in the playoffs thanks to some excellent football we saw this past weekend. And hopefully we'll continue to see that excellent football moving forward. Um, so I am, in, I am reinvigorated uh, after this past weekend. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. It was an awesome week. Week 18, the first one ever, did not disappoint. An incredible okay. finish to the NFL regular season with a potential tie. The timeout that reinvigorated the Raiders as it reinvigorated your team. And yeah, it was a pretty incredible Sunday. A lot of crazy things happened that we thankfully we didn't make any picks. We did talk about the potential or the lack of potential. I think that we had of thinking the Jaguars could actually beat the Colts. Then it happened. Of course it happened that way. And now we sit here with Indianapolis's first round pick in Philadelphia. The Colts aren't in the playoffs. Neither are the chargers, which Matt may be one of the, best retweets was the chargers when they were in Philadelphia tweeting by Eagles by after the game and that thing getting blown the fuck up on Monday on Sunday night and Monday morning of what are you doing this weekend all that kind of stuff so fucking funny 
But before we dive into the playoffs and everything surrounding there, are there any other takeaways from Week 18? Then we'll jump into the National Championship, then go into the playoffs. But anything from Week 18 that you – anything else you saw or you were worried about or anything like that? Yeah, I'm at, I certainly can't say that I was was or am a supporter of the additional week. You know, player safety, quality of the game. A lot of it was obviously a lot of teams that were very injured. Sure. But the NFL somehow again wins because they come out looking. Yeah, they've got the best product. They've got it. It, it was pretty cool. So, um, I know that was I know that was pretty fantastic. I, I think from a you know we'll get into a little bit of the football standpoint, but let's let's talk about a couple teams that maybe didn't make it. Okay. Um, and, and I think we'll start with the Chargers. Probably, in my mind, the best team to not be in the playoffs. Um, I know the Colts would argue differently, but they, they obviously lost horribly. Um, we'll get to them in a second. But the future is still really, really bright in, in uh, L.A. Justin Herbert looked every bit of a top-five quarterback in that game, bringing them back consistently. Um, his growth will be important there. But I think – They've got a few things to round out, maybe a little bit of defense and a little bit on offense, but this team is still pretty close um, to being a, a, a contender, if you will, um, even with the tough loss to a divisional opponent. Um, you know, Justin's still a young quarterback. He's still going to have those off games that guys like Brady and, and Rodgers and even Mahomes don't have. Uh, but this is a first-year head coach, young quarterback. They're going to get it right. Um, they're going to add a couple pieces here or there, and I think they're a team to be reckoned with. So I think they still go into the offseason with their heads feeling like they're in the right direction. That's my take on the Chargers. No, I like that take. And, yeah, there's definitely a couple missing pieces there, maybe a couple offensive linemen. Their line has been all over the place for what feels like the better half of a decade at this point where they've had guys get hurt left and right and all that different stuff. Would love to see that a little more protection. A really skilled offense. You'd obviously love to see a few more defensive players and a little more health on their defense, but I like that take a lot. Um, And I I would agree with you on the most talented team not to be in the playoffs. I know, obviously, we'll jump into the Colts, but if you just look at the two teams now and where they sat looking from the outside looking in, and even just the, the plain statistics of strength of schedule and strength of victory, the Colts ended up having a little bit easier of a schedule. Same record, their strength of victory was 431, whereas the Chargers, with the same 9-8 and eight record, a harder strength of schedule, over 500, which there are teams that made the playoffs in the AFC that don't have that have under 500 strengths of schedules, but a strength of victory of exactly 500, which is second best of over 500 teams in the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the highest at 569, but they are well under, so they, that's a pretty small sample size of three wins for a strength of victory. The Kansas City Chiefs have the only higher strength of victory, showing that they beat good teams. They just fell apart at times. Obviously, that Texans loss probably kills them because if they win that game, then they're 10-7. and seven. They're in ahead of the Steelers. I don't know where they would have yep. been in terms of seeding versus the – because they lost to the Raiders. They probably aren't the five seed. I don't know if they get ahead of the Patriots or not. I don't know if they played. They might have. Did the Chargers go to New England? I don't remember. But still, that's probably the one, you know, obviously sending it football. We talked about it last week, right, with the Las Vegas Raiders, the story they had after everything with Bruden, with Henry Ruggs, and the resiliency they showed. But on the Chargers end of things, they are so young, they have everything going there. So, I, you know, losing that game, a game that the, Char- that the Raiders really needed to, you know, they just 
almost the reverse of Greg's theory of cities that have the tragedy that end up winning a championship. This seems like the the much lesser version of that, of kind of the weird write them off moment, and then they end up winning four in a row and making the playoffs kind of thing. Yeah, I would certainly agree there. I I, I think um, well, I don't I, well I don't want to. It was a great win by the Raiders, yeah. especially at, at home in front of those fans. Um, I know we'll talk a little bit about them when we get into the playoff weekend. I wanted to make sure we touched on a couple other teams. Um, and I think I think a little bit of that might have gone into the emotional win for them. And Derek Carr proving he's a good, he's above average quarterback. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, you talk about the Colts, big letdown. And you know, honestly, two things come up to me. First, um, Carson Wentz was horrible. He had a QBR of like four something. Um, he played horrible when they needed him the most. The Jaguars said, "Yep, we're not going to give you Jonathan Taylor. Beat us." Um, and then, and then defensively too, they also got a little shredded. I know, I, you know for a defense that's that's supposed to be kind of a top five, at least in talent in the league, they got shredded a little bit. So yeah. that was that was tough too. Um, you know, uh, they they're still a talented team, and and they're not going to. I doubt they'll move on from Carson this year, especially all they gave up and all the money they're paying him. Um, what I would think for them, that like next steps would be providing him with a little more offensive firepower. So outside of Michael Pittman, um, they're a hundred yard, a thousand yard wide receiver. Like T.Y. Hilton looks eligible to retire. Um, I think they, they need to add a couple pieces from the receiving perspective to make this team a little more formidable. They also will probably going to need to add an offensive lineman um, as well. Eric Fisher is kind of a left out left tackle this year, so I'm sure they'll address it there. They're still in a great spot though long-term because they're in a division where the best team is the Titans and the Titans are the number one seed. You know, I'm not a believer in the Titans though. Um, we'll see how they pan out long-term and Jacksonville and Houston are still kind of at the bottom of the barrel. They need a lot of work in rebuilding. Uh, Houston could get that jump start with the right trade from Deshaun Watson and uh, Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, they improve with a better coach. We'll see. Um, but I still think the culture in a really good spot moving into next year, but it's certainly a really disappointing season for them. Uh, this is a team that two, three weeks ago, people were talking about, you don't want to play it. Yeah. And now, I mean, they're kind of the laughing stock in the NFL, 15 and a half point favorites who fall. All they need to do is win and they're in. Yeah, exactly. And a really good point on the receiving core. And I guess my question to you is, do you try to maybe add a rookie tight end that's coming out like a mid round pick? Or do you try to keep buying into the Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox duo? Cause you'd feel like Carson loved to use, at least in Philly, he loved Zach Hertz was his favorite target. And he liked using Dallas Goddard as well. So I'm surprised in looking at this that Mo Alley Cox played actually they both played all seventeen games and between the two of them had fifty three receptions. That just doesn't seem like something's not computing there. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor ends up being a focal point of the offense, especially in the latter half of the season, but just something didn't seem to totally add up, at least in a Carson Wentz perspective. I would say like what I would actually almost I mean not hear, hear better idea. Sign Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, go sign Zach Ertz. I mean, that, that would be a good option for them. I think I'd rather see them add a, a wide receiver yeah, as absolutely. opposed to a um, – as a tight end. There's a couple this year, but I, I would probably rather see them go the wide receiver route for Carson. Certainly. Um, yeah. Um, just, and and outside like, of that, they'll have other little holes. But At least for where I was getting at with that is, it, like, it seemed like his good years in Philly, he ended up – going from the inside out more where sure. he used Ertz, he used Goddard. The year he had LeGarrette Blunt, the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl, that was super successful for him there. And obviously he has that in Jonathan Taylor now. And having a guy like Pittman is huge. And I'd love to see Zach Pascal maybe take another step for him. 
And their defense, like you mentioned, is really good. And if they maybe add some depth there, you know, that, that does nothing but be better of having, you know, the hockey line type of defensive lineman that we've seen so many different teams, including that 2017 Eagles team, use. So, I don't know, definitely receiving and, and maybe offensive line, like you mentioned, are probably two things to focus on if you're an Indianapolis fan go, going into the draft. Yeah, I just think a couple other teams just to briefly touch on in the AFC before we look at the NFC. Yeah. You know, Cleveland and Baltimore both have some injury issues this year. I think both have an opportunity still to come back strong next year. Sure. So excited to see both of those teams. Yeah, um, if I'm a fan of then, either of those teams, especially the Ravens, I just write it off as we got super banged up. There was COVID. We really just couldn't control a lot of stuff here. You know, let's wash our hands. Let's be proud that we have a mid-first-round pick and go from there. Yep. And I think Miami can take away a lot this year after a rough oh, start. Whether two is the guy or not, I'm shocked they fired Brian Flores. That was a huge shock to me. Two winning seasons in a row. So we'll see how they handle that, especially in a division where the Bills are, are clearly a, a top mm-hmm. contender and the Patriots appear to be on the rise with Mac Jones. Um, so they're a team that needs to maybe take a look uh, inside. The other team I think is just so intriguing, and I've been intrigued by this team for quite a while. It, it is the Denver Broncos, who to me are a quarterback away from being a contender. When you talk about the offensive weapons, they hung around the playoff chase with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. If they can find a way to get a veteran signal caller, um, you know, I, I think that's going a long way. Right? At one point, they were in the playoff, right? Like in the hunt, yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and no one really considered them a contender with teeth or fangs, sure. but they yeah, were yeah, still yeah. good. Um, yeah, Tiger, and I think the other know, thing, Bronco. right. This is the kind of draft that could work for them and their advantage because there aren't the quarterback prospects aren't as big time as some of the lower, as some of the, as some of the previous drafts. So there could be some guys that fall into the middle of the first round that they might have an opportunity to snatch up and, and groom similar to what they did. Drew Locke was a second round pick, but similar to what they did to Drew, to Drew, you, you kind of take a flyer on a guy in the middle of the first, maybe that works out for you. So, um, and the other teams we didn't talk about is because they're trash. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, from an NFC perspective, the Saints are also very similar to, I think, the a little bit of the Ravens and a little bit of the Broncos. The injury issues at quarterback really affected them because outside of that, they're a very good roster. They're big to me. Their big thing is got the, whether it's Winston or tight Taysom Hill, or they get somebody else. Russell Wilson has expressed interest apparently before. Um, they desperately need to add receiver help with or without the return of Michael Thomas. There's obviously some friction there, but they're desperate for some additional weapons to help relieve Alvin Kamara. Um, and, and they got a couple of good guys, you know, young, young Aaron, uh, Aaron Troutman at, at tight end has looked really good as a rookie this year, but they've got a great defense and a decent offense with a good offensive line of running back. They just need to find a little magic on the outside. And that team's ready to contend again, um, you know, relatively quickly. I'm trying to think of, you know, you know, the rest of the NFC, you know, maybe your biggest two disappointment teams this year, Washington and Seattle, um, both expected to compete, neither did. And then and from the NFC North perspective, the Vikings have so many question marks now um, after oh, kind yeah. of a disappointing season, you know, um, and the, Mike, Mike Zimmer losing their job, right? Yeah. You know, that, that's going to be a challenging uh, situation up there they've got a lot of talent but they've got to make some adjustments to to compete moving forward yeah definitely and i think just going back on the i went over a lot there i went over a lot there so go ahead yeah well the saints i think you hit the nail on the head they're definitely they attract either a big name free agent or 
probably that. I was about to say, or maybe Jameis Winston has takes a step forward. But we've been saying that since Devonta Adams would be Devonta Adams would you know if something happens in yeah, Green Bay, I'm that could saying. that could be Go huge. Ahead. Um, the football team in Seattle, both obviously on on Washington on defense and Seattle on offense, just getting completely decimated with injuries. I think everybody thought the football team's defense was going to be a top five defense and just really could never get there because they never could get all the starters in the field at the same time. Russell, I almost called him Russell Westbrook, but Russell Wilson <laughs> hurts, uh, hurts his shoulder. And then I don't know if he came back too early or what it was, but he didn't look very good after that. So I don't know. It, it's similar, but a little different. Like, I don't think the football team, if their defense is better, is sitting here. Like maybe they're eight, nine or they're nine, eight. And maybe like, Maybe they take one from the Eagles, and maybe they're like close to a playoff spot. But until they figure out their quarterback situation, I think that's really a you need to figure something out step there. Then there's the whole with Seattle of Russell Wilson. I don't know if I'm coming back. I'd like to like all that stuff of if he's going to be a Seahawk going forward. I do think a team with the same record as them, the Falcons is interesting just because they never really seem to totally pack it in, especially at times they looked absolutely horrendous. Um, and, you know, first-year head coach and all that good stuff. So, so kind of a positive note there versus the Bears who fired Matt Nagy. They fired Ryan Pace. And now they have Justin Fields who got hurt and at times didn't look totally good. They have Andy Dalton. They have all these question marks around it and now going completely new. And that's a franchise, too, that I think – if they can get the right pieces together, maybe can turn this around quickly. But they're one that uh, certainly is concerning, especially with the state of the NFC North or yeah, NFC North potentially being wide open. If Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams leave the Packers. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you mentioned it. Paper, paper, I'm paper. I think the little paper tiger organizations in Washington and Seattle. Yeah. Um, I think it starts with, um, well, I think Washington definitely got that toxic. Still has that toxicity to it that that only has to do with their ownership. I, I think the say, rest yeah, of the organization, Ron Rivera, right? But but I do I mean I don't know. I personally am am not a. That's going to be tough, and I think Seattle has a lot of holes that they've that we talked, but they've covered it up with Russell Wilson, with Tyler Lockett, with Bobby Wagner. Um, they don't own their first round pick, right? That's going to. The Jets, Jets. In, the, in the Jamal Adams trade. Yeah. So um, both those teams, I think, have – I think there's a concern long-term for both of them as opposed to some other younger teams that maybe have an opportunity coming up. Um, and Seattle's looking at a division where you have a, an elite Rams team, a really a well-coached, built um, 49ers team, and a, uh, a, a young and, and exciting Cardinals team. They, they're, they're, looking, they're, looking, they're looking up. Um, they're not looking. They're not looking sideways. So I'm interested to see how how they handle this. Is a very important offseason for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be kind of cool if in this era where because we get these like ebbs and flows specifically with the Arizona Cardinals, where they end up either being at the bottom of the barrel and then they end up being towards the top of the NFC. And obviously they were that close to winning their division. They were certainly towards the high of that. But I'd love to see just for the sake of being able to see it, all four teams from a division getting into the playoffs and we can talk about the, we'll talk about the 49ers when we get to the, their game against the Cowboys. But if the Seahawks can make that happen, I feel like that's our best opportunity that we might get for a little while of getting a four for four in one. I would single say playoffs. both. I would say 
both West con- divisions, AFC yes, and that's NFC, a good one. right? Because we talk about the Broncos being closer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think both both those divisions are probably my one and two. Um, the only problem with if, the West, if, though, Russ- is that if the Chiefs are on, like, just unfair cheat code, then they go they could go like five and one, six and zero oh in the division. And that's obviously two losses to their you know their in division opponents. So they have to really do well sure. outside of the division. Whereas, like, this yeah, year, the Rams won at 3-3, three and three and they won the division. So, like, that kind of right. helps if you're but, if they're going 500 in the division. Yeah. Remember, we're now into the Patrick Mahomes extension now. True. So that's a big deal because a good he, point. You're, you're the, you know, right, it's what you're seeing with Russell Wilson. It requires really good drafting yep. once you sign the quarterback to the big deal, Yep. Um, which we know is important. Yeah, absolutely. Although the reverse so, of yep. that – T.J. Watt just signed the big ticket and set the record for sacks. So it's not always true that That's post, true. That post That's true. Uh, whatever the, the performance well, is. Well, I down, mean, which, I guess I mean, yeah, I mean more so like you can't miss on yeah, your as draft a team, picks I because they're, you know, the team becomes so expensive that you can't write, right, and then you, you, you fall behind and you can't get the same depth. Um, right, no, exactly. But Mahomes at least is on like a Brady level of he can make dudes – who would go for like eight hundred dollars on draft kit, on d- daily fantasy? No free ads. Um, <laughs> that like have one career catch and just signed like a tryout with the the Chiefs. Like I want to say Byron Pringle, but he has multiple NFL touchdowns. But a Byron Pringle like person who is that that low on the depth chart have like a two hundred yard game and a couple touchdowns. Yeah. Like he's that good. So like. They can figure out ways to work around that. And I feel like Mahomes maybe will catch on and redo his contract like Brady started to towards the end of his time in New England. So I don't know. I don't know if it's totally a hurry up and win as many as you can right now if you're a Kansas City fan because of the money that Mahomes is getting. Granted, it's half a billion dollars. That is a lot of money. But I don't know. I feel like Mahomes wants to win more than get a half a billion dollars. Yeah, and they're going to redo that deal because he's going to start hitting some crazy cap numbers exactly. that just aren't going to work. And he knew that going into it, but that's why they gave it to him, right? It's a lot of guaranteed money. It means, hey, we want you to stay here and he'll work it out. I would agree too, though. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So let's quickly put a pause on the NFL. We'll jump over to the we, a, we, we went in there deep, but I liked it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. We're going to keep going in chronological order. College football playoff national championship game was Monday night. Georgia slays the dragon. Kirby Smart finally takes down Nick Saban in maybe the biggest Jekyll and Hyde football game. Really, I was about to say for a half, but it was still, it was only 13 to nine after three quarters. And really it was 13. It was like Bama was driving and made it 13, 12 pretty early into the fourth. But final score ends up being 33, 18. Georgia wins. The Stetson-Bennett-Cinderella run comes full circle with everything that he went through. If you're a college football fan, relatively, you know the whole story of him walking on, then leaving Georgia, then coming back, and all that stuff. But, Matt, this game had everything. It had incredible defense in the first half that you look at the score and you think it might be boring because it's just five field goals. But it was incredible defense, especially from Georgia and also from Alabama. Bama was leading this, obviously. Bama stepped up to the plate that way to slow down the Zamir White rushing attack. He got loose a little bit in the third quarter. Then Stetson Bennett really went out for the shootout. And we got that shootout-like game. 
But Matt, what was your immediate takeaway from this game? Who do you love coming out for the NFL draft? Break this all down for me. That was a great game. Um, not totally surprised. I think 32, I think 32, what a 32, 18. Yeah. Um, is not indicative of how close that game really was. The pick six at the end was kind of the icing on the cake. Correct. But clearly to me, the two best teams in the country here matching up, um, you saw in the semifinal games that they, that they blew, they blew their opponents out, including obviously our, our beloved Wolverines. Um, but the two best teams in the country, uh, without a doubt. Um, and, and I, I, um, I'll start with the losing side, Alabama, noble effort with a lot of losses. You talk about not having your top two receivers, including Jamison Williams, who was explosive early and then got tore his ACL. Um, And they're missing their two top corners. They had, they had a a center playing right tackle. Um, That's not an excuse. This is a Nick Saban team. So the next man up is a five-star recruit. We know that Um, they just didn't execute well in the red zone. I think that comes down to missing pieces, right? You don't have the same wide receivers. Georgia basically said, we're not going to let you run in the red zone. So you better throw it. And they weren't able to connect. Bryce Young obviously took that to heart. He's a, he's a hell of a player. Um, and then, you know, defensively, I, I think they, they, they played great. I think it just, it just, you know what, at the end of the day, Stenson Bennett had the magic in the, uh, in the genie bottle and he, he took care of business. Um, and so I was very impressed with the Georgia defense to step up after getting so shredded. Uh, from by Bryce Young in the SEC championship game, they really stepped up uh, and played great, especially that defensive line that I'm aligned in that game. They came, they were bringing the heat, you know, Bryce stood it and took it. He played well, but they brought the heat, um, which was so impressive. Um, And, and yeah, but I I think the big takeaway from me is uh, overall, like Stenson Bennett deserves to be the MVP because he made the, 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 the fumble and he came back and stepped up and just played phenomenal football after that you could see the passion behind it um you know you asked me about pro pro prospects Stenson Bennett is not a pro prospect he's not even guaranteed to start next year um if he comes back right they've got JT Daniels another five-star recruit coming in as well he's going to be in a battle in the spring and he just won the national championship for um for Georgia so you know there are a ton of pro prospects the sad part not the sad part most of them will be back next year yep you think of Bryce Young who will be back Right. Um, Anderson, the pass rusher, who honestly probably should have been at the Heisman ceremony instead of our boy Hutchinson. Um, uh, that being said, there are definitely some guys out there that the NFL teams are going to take a hard look at um, starting. I mean, Jamison Williams is going to be up there. Burner, potential 4-3 speed. If he comes back from that ACL injury, he's the kind of wide receiver that has an opportunity to go in the first round. Um, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Originally, I was going to say somebody who I can't talk about anymore. That's Henry Ruggs in terms of that deep speed. So I'll let, I'll let, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> maybe a little bit like Jalen Waddle, um, but big body, 6'1". So he's got some size to him as well, which is really impressive. Um, and then the, the tackle to look at, there's always an Alabama tackle, would be Neal, who's excellent on the left side, big, strong, technical. If you watch that game, you watch the right side and the center collapse, not Neal. He is the, probably number one or two uh, offensive line prospect. And then Brian Robinson, the running back, He's got that classic Damian Harris look to me. Like he's going to go, go to the pros and just be successful. Maybe not Derrick Henry, but a good, like Damian Harris. Um, try to think some other, there's somebody out him right back to the NFL. It's like hard to pick from, um, <laughs> yeah. but he's just going to go and have success. Najee Harris kind of guy. Okay. Um, I would expect that too. And then, uh, you know, for Georgia, I think one guy that's going to be very interesting is, is to see where their big nose tackle goes. 
um, uh, Jordan Davis, who had such a fantastic year. He's not rated super high. He's going to have to prove that he can do it on the next level where you can't just always win with brute strength, right? Um, but he's a mountain of a man, and he'll get picked up solely to be a rug stuffer, you know, at times. Um, and so you know, he's another guy that I think is interesting, at least to at least to peek at um, from a um, – and then uh, and, uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, who had the big long run, by the way, he's probably – I think he's a senior. Um, somebody saw that run, and they'll say, you know what? Go for it. Why not? Um, let's take a shot at a guy whose brother's an all pro. So, um, I think that's, you know, that's valuable too. Um, so I mentioned Evan Neal, I mentioned Jamison Williams, Jordan Battle is a safety for Alabama who will get drafted high. I mentioned Robinson. Um, and then from, from Georgia, uh, I think the one guy that's probably maybe their highest pick is Nakobe Dean, their linebacker. He looks yeah. like a bonafide first rounder, kind of do everything new age linebacker. So I would expect him to, to come out as well. So not necessarily as loaded as you would imagine, but that's because a lot of these guys are still, are still a little bit younger. Um, and I think that's why you're seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Eagles Twitter definitely was lighting up on a number of those names on the Georgia defense on, mm-hmm. on Monday night. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately you mentioned it clearly the two best teams in the country. We didn't really talk about it last week of when we were breaking down the two games. Um, but with Georgia ending up being the three seed, another year that a one seed doesn't end up winning the national championship, which I think it's just nuts of how many times that has not happened in the college football playoff era. Do we think just to put a bow on the college football season and partially because we didn't talk about it last week, do we think that this pushes or helps or hurts the possibility of expansion? Because we didn't really talk about the fact that the two games were blowouts in the in the semifinals, we had the takes of like, oh, it should still be back to one versus two, which then becomes a debate, at least this year, on Michigan or Georgia, which becomes all sorts of nuts in terms of where that would have gone in terms of uh, what would have been the BCS National Championship game or whatever you want to call it. But do we think this helps or hurts expansion, staying the same or anything like that? Well, I mean, I think I think – <laughs> you think about what teams would have would have made it, right? We talked about this a lot. Like Notre Dame, they did not win. Oh, well, they did not win their bowl game, right? Yeah. Um, I think Ohio State would have been able to hang with these teams. I hate to say it, you know. Outside of that, I, I still think it's. I still think there's value to expansion in this case. Like the six team thing, I think would have made a lot of sense, or even a fifth team. You know, maybe figure that out. I don't know how you do that. Um, I still think they do it. It's a money grabber. The games are still highly watched, and I think the 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 downturn in, in ratings for other bowl games, especially some of those New Year's Six bowls where players aren't even playing, I, I think that is going to be a big driver of saying let's add two more, let's get a little bit more involved with it. Um, so um, that's where I would I would I. I, I think you'll see six coming sooner than later and maybe even eight, but I think six, I, I'm a big, I'm an opponent of six. Um, gives you a better opportunity for a wild card team. If you will, you know, allow Cincinnati maybe not to have to play Alabama in the first round. Sure. Um, you know, this year they, maybe they would have matched up against a Georgia or a Michigan and had a better opportunity. Um, so no, I do. I do think you'll see it go that way. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I believe the idea of expansion of oh, the contracts through 2026. That's what it is. So that's at least when we'd still be in there. And I'd love to see an idea of, you know, getting better semifinal games. But it sometimes just is what it is. And I've said this a lot about expanding it, that it it helps with the, the concept of that right now only certain programs are getting the big players, one of them being Alabama. The other two weren't even – well, one was close. The other one wasn't even close to making the playoff. But they are the ones that are getting the big-name recruits. And now Georgia will – you hope that Michigan can because they're a marquee name that, that can get there. And then we'll see what happens with uh, Notre Dame and their new head coach and, and seeing if they can start getting recruits there too to to really start to pro- to propel potential competition to see where we're going there. And you're not going to have a year where you have two SEC teams get in. You have historic Georgia team that ends up winning as I think everybody would have thought of going into that championship weekend where they were playing Alabama and then Alabama ends up pulling themselves into there. And that's kind of where we got to. And it's one of those interesting thoughts of if Oklahoma state does get that touchdown or if Georgia does beat Bama initially and who the other teams are, what that second semifinal game looks like. That's presumably Georgia versus Cincinnati, but who knows? It's going to be really fun to watch how the offseason goes with all the different coaching carousel moves and seeing if players continue to enter the transfer portal and continue to move from team to team. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But overall, one of the better seasons of college football that did not disappoint in the chaos factor and certainly one I feel like we'll remember and talk about even with a shitty semifinal rounds, a really good championship <laughs> game, a really great conference championship weekend, and overall pretty chaotic year. Yeah, and just to be clear, both the teams you saw will be ranked probably one, maybe two, maybe three. They'll be top five ranks next year. Oh, yeah. Um, but hey. Yeah, so they're coming back loaded. <laughs> Michigan was so, unranked this yeah. year at the preseason. That's true. They, they were. The playoff. You never know. That and the you never know. what was it the mm-hmm. for the first three years it was like the team that was ranked 14th when they uh they made the first <laughs> poll made the playoffs. It was like That's the wild. same ranking. I think I it was 14th. It was Ohio State, and then I think like Oklahoma the second year, and then maybe maybe the third year is when Washington made it, and Washington was 14th. It's something weird like that. There's some there's always those weird things with college sports, but let's keep moving. The NFL playoffs this weekend, like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, wrapping up week 18, we have a full jam-packed weekend. Super wild card weekend is back. They kept the moniker, but they changed the schedule. Only two games on Saturday now. We don't get a Saturday at 1 o'clock game. We go back to the first game being Saturday at 4.30. It is not on ESPN. ESPN now has a Monday night wild card game. For the Rams and the Cardinals, we kick things off with Vegas going to Cincinnati. And Matt will start there. This game's on NBC. Two teams that it feels like whenever they make the playoffs are always the Saturday afternoon game. So they kept that tradition alive. But this is a game that I'm kind of bummed I'm going to be in Jamaica for. This is a game I'm I'm actually really excited to see how this one goes. Because I think this is going to be maybe one of the better games of the weekend 
and really, I think Saturday might be the best part of the weekend. Yeah, it's a really fascinating game. Um, I'm a, I would, I would take Cincinnati without hesitation, except they've never been in the like this, this, this team and their quarterback, Cool Joe, have never been in the playoffs before. So I think that's the only thing that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. Um, is 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 in this game because uh, I think the Raiders again they had a great season. I feel you know great for them with all the turmoil to make it, but I'm not sure they are the real deal. Um, but that being said, I don't. I, I just think Joe Burrow's ability to pass the ball. I mean, he, they're a big time offense uh, and an underrated defense. This is this is a tough game I think for the Raiders to contain that deep threat passing game led by Burrow and Jamar Chase. Plus, obviously, they got weapons all over, right? Mixon, and then I, I don't want to dis, disregard T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. Um, we've talked about this. There's a chance Joe Burrow is the best. Um, this is the best receiving core in football. Yep. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think, um, I think what that offense has the power to do is incredible and what they could do could make this game a complete blowout. But we've thought that a thousand different times in a thousand different ways that the Raiders are going to fall into a tailspin, and they haven't. And we've seen Hunter Renfro have an incredible season, over 100 catches, averaging over 10 yards a catch or per reception. Josh Jacobs ends up having kind of a decent year. Derek Carr with over 4,800 yards. Just absolutely insane there. I'd love to see this game turn into you know, a battle of who can control the ball better, be more responsible with it, not turn it over. I don't totally see the defenses becoming huge factors here, although I could say that and Vegas could come out and and really try to punch the, the Bengals in the mouth. But I feel like this is going to be a shootout, and I feel like this game is going to be a lot of fun. The total set at 49, uh, 5.5 point spread, which is interesting there. I guess it's a home game in Cincinnati. But Matt, you mentioned it about the Bengals haven't won a playoff game in so long. Do you know the last time they won was in 1991? Do you know that the text message is younger than that? It was created. The first text message was sent in 1992. I had no idea. That is wild. Yeah, there's literally never been a text that said the Bengals won a playoff game. Think about it, this is this is a Bengals team that had a little bit of a great run with that with those Carson. Uh, Palmer teams and even Palmer the Andy teams. Dalton team. That Andy Dalton team where he broke these his were, thumb and AJ McCarron had to yep. start. That ends with the uh, yeah these the Fontes Burfick fight. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. That was like five or they six. Were years ago. Those teams were low. who was that running? Who was the running back for the Dalton team? That was Giovanni Bernard and um, who was there? Who was their pounder? Yeah, there was oh, another dude. God, it's gonna bother me. They had a guy. I'm trying to remember. Cause it was like a he was like a sneaky late fantasy pick. Oh man, I'm not. We're, one of us is gonna have to look this up. But yeah, this is a really exciting game. It's I'm a good googling. kickoff Go to the weekend. And let's just keep it moving. I like the Bengals to win the game. I th- it sounds like you do as well. I I do I do yeah. I think yeah. so I think you know I look I start with quarterback I like Derek Carr a lot but I like Burrow better I like their offensive weapons better. And I think their defense is a little bit better too. So, um, just yeah, it's probably where I where I sit with it. But I, but I, to your point, we've been saying it all year about the Raiders, and um, here they are. Yep. So um, I got to figure this out. Well, was Cedric Benson? Was he the Palmer years? He was the Palmer years. 
Maybe early Dalton. Okay, he was the Okay, he was the Palmer years. Darn it. Um I can't I'm I'm like so I'm like Googling on Instagram. I mean I'm on Google, just like Googling their running backs. Because yeah, I mean Mixon's fantastic, by the way. Just yeah, 2015. I'm on football but, reference. Uh, um rushing. Rushing and receiving. So Jeremy Jackson, Hill. R.I.P. R.I.P. Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill. Wait, wait, wait. Was Ben Jarvis Green Ellis ever on? I know he was a Patriot. Was he? No, Hill. Hill was. Was Hill the Dalton years? Yeah, this is too. I just I'm on Football Reference 2015 Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. He was their leading rusher. He had seventy seven hundred seven ninety four. Gino Vanni Bernard had seven thirty. Jeremy Hill had eleven touchdowns. Bernard only had two. Rex Burkhead was a Bengal that year. That's fun. Uh, Tyler Eifert. That was the big Tyler Eifert year. Um, Muhammad yeah. Sanu was on that team. Mm-hmm. Huge Marvin Jones season. Okay. He had 100 catches that year. AJ Green had 123 catches. Okay, I, yeah. I believe you. I just I'm um, trying to think, think it through. Yeah. So yeah, there there they are. But let's keep it moving. The rematch of the century between AFC East opponents, the Bills hosting the Patriots. Both road teams won each of the regular season matchups. The Patriots coming in almost like it's a tradition, Matt, of losing their Week 18, but previously Week 17, their final game of the season, the regular season, against the Miami Dolphins. It's just a tradition at this point, but they come in off of that loss. The Bengals beat up the Jets last week. Not the Bengals, the Bills beat up the Jets last week. The Bills offense <laughs> looks like the Bengals. Pro- by the way, the Bengals probably would have beat up the Bills, the Jets, too. Just want to be clear. But yeah. Yeah, you'd hope that. But those Midwest teams playing really shitty teams, you know, they Sometimes have, you're right. Good point. Good they point. have trouble. They have trouble. Um, anyway, the Bills offense looks like it's completely refound itself after at times, including against the team we were just alluding to, the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. They look like they found it. Stefan Diggs with an incredible finish to the season. At times, they found a running game. The Patriots' running game is a lot better. Mac Jones, not the best game against the Dolphins last week. He threw that pick six in the first quarter. They never... I feel like their receiving core isn't as strong as the Bills, just because the Bills have a thousand different ways to skin the cat. But this is a very intriguing matchup. Two defenses that I feel like are both turning the corner in the right way. And I would love to think that this could also be a shootout, but I think we're going to see a very similar game of feeling each other out, kind of like what we saw on Monday night of, you know, potentially trying to wait for the right time to blow the top off of this game. But the first couple quarters after two very different games, obviously that Monday night game with the snow, the freezing cold temperatures, the wind and all that. And then the game in New England where the Bills got their revenge. I don't know, this seems like this third round is going to be kind of that finesse type of game, which is going to be really interesting because Belichick knows a thousand different ways to skin the cat. And I don't think wants an early exit once again on the road. I'm only a, only a four-point favorite for the Bills. And, you, and I, I say only because you think about they, they played really well against the Patriots yep. and you got Josh Allen. But you know that Belichick's in the lab bubbling something up to slow Allen down. He's been doing it his whole career. I, I'm really struggling with this game because I'm, I tend to be a guy who's picked the better quarterback, but we're talking about Bill Belichick. 
Uh, we're talking about a, a, a monkey on the the back the bill the back of the bills that they haven't been able to get off, and that's Bill Belichick. So, I am really intrigued. Three degrees outside, not something that's ever really bothered Allen, but this is a playoff game. I one of my few upset picks is going to be the Patriots upsetting the Bills. Very low scoring, running first game, and the Bills just simply can't run the ball well enough. I, I think I think the Patriots get it done here in a little bit of a surprise upset on the road. Yeah, and I like the idea of it being a low-scoring game. Total set at 44, which I don't know if I totally love just because, like you mentioned, I – I feel like it's going to be ground first. We're going to see a cold game. It's not supposed to be very warm anywhere on the East Coast this weekend, except for Jamaica, where I'm going to be. And, yeah, it it just, (laughs) that Monday night game just screams. It's just, it feels like it's rearing its ugly head in this one. So I'd love to pick the Bills here, but it is, it becomes a, do you zero in on Josh Allen having to beat you with his feet? Or do you try to get Zach Moss and Devin Singletary involved? And they've they've started to towards the end of the season. But at other times where it's been low scoring, it becomes Josh Allen trying to try to run it and utilizing guys like Stefan Diggs and short slant plays, sometimes Dawson Knox. So it, it just becomes a really inter- interesting call, but it really shrinks their playbook, like you mentioned. And I feel like Belichick's going to know that. And know how to take advantage. At the same time, I don't totally love the Patriots offense in that same vein. No, I don't like Patriots offense either. Right. Yeah. So, it, like, that's why low scoring seems like just such a slam dunk, which kind of sucks because Saturday night football, all that good stuff. But a, a good defensive battle in the NFL playoffs is always welcome. Just I'm a, Super Bowl. see, I was going to say, I, I, I almost would rather it be a good defensive battle. That, yeah, that yeah, feels yeah. interesting to me. So, no, 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 totally. I'm being honest. Um, but. But yeah, I I'm gonna just take the Bills on the win because I like the Bills and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl right, way back at the beginning of the season. But I this Patriots team is dangerous going forward. I mean, I would agree. Um, and by the way, I'm I'm probably eating my own words because I told you I my preference is is to my 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 preference is to pick the better quarterback, and I'm not doing it here at the moment. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, having said that, Matt, Jalen Hurts and our Philadelphia Eagles kick off the Sunday <laughs> slate going to one of not just the better quarterback in the matchup, but potentially and probably the best of all time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by one Tom Brady to kick off the game at one o'clock. This is the second largest spread, the largest spread in the NFC as the Buccaneers come in as a nine-point favorite, nine points. Matt, what do you see in this one? Obviously, there's a lot of angles you have, loving Tom Brady, obviously loving the Eagles, and objectively, fire away, my friend. Well, the Eagles are catching the the, the Patriots. Look at that. The Buccaneers at the right time. All things considered, right? No Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown. Leonard Fournette, maybe, maybe not back. They designate him for return, but we'll see how he looks. Um, Ronald Jones, dinged up. Um, uh, set their center, Ali Marpet, dinged up. Uh, defensively, Richard Sherman, who wasn't a big contributor, but he's out. Shaq Barrett's out. Um, 
you're, you've got a hobble Jason Pierre-Paul. You've got a secondary not playing at the same level. And this is a team you've already seen, and you got beat by. I know the game got a little close late, but it was kind of out of it pretty early. But this is not the same explosive Patriots. I mean, I did it twice. Tampa Bay offense, as we're used to seeing. Um, so we're, the Eagles are catching the Patriots at the right time. But outside of Tom Brady for a moment, the problem I see is that the Eagles' biggest strength is also the Patriot. I mean, that's the third time. Wow. Tampa's biggest, biggest strength. <laughs> we run the ball great, and yeah. they stop the run great. They do. And Vita Vea, Nanamna Kinsu, Devin White, and uh, and um, uh, who's the other guy? Levante David. Yep. They're a great run-stopping defense, so they're going to try to take away what we do best on offense. And they're going to try to put the game in Jalen Hurts' hands. And that's where there's going to be concern from an Eagles perspective. Obviously, defensively, you're dealing with Tom Brady. It's always going to be a concern. Due for the most yards, most touchdown passes this year at 44. Um, and he still has Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski. So it's not like he's really lacking. Plus some good under-the-radar receivers, such as Scotty Miller, Rashad Perryman. Rashad Perryman is who's the former first-rounder for the uh, Ravens, who's had a little bit of a bounce-back year or so. And a really good offensive line. But offensively, Jalen Hurts is going to be the, the the reason why this team wins or loses in this game, in my mind. Yeah, a thousand percent. And you made such a great point with Levante David, who got is also designated to be reactivated. Is that the correct terminology? But should be playing reactivated. This game. Yeah. And that's just the real crux of it, right? Is that their defense is really good at stopping the run and is only getting healthier. They've been banged up, so at times has looked spotty, but they're getting healthier. And David, obviously, coming back is humongous for them. The Jalen Hurts point is really good because the Eagles are also banged up on their side of things and trying to potentially, you know, see if Boston Scott or Kenneth Gainwell or Jordan Howard are the guys that end up having to be the supplements to Jalen Hurts running the ball, which if you remember way back in this Bucks game, way back in October, the Sirianni had not done the plants metaphor and all that stuff yet. So the running wasn't really there. They end up having the backdoor cover and all that stuff. So really, if you're putting the ball in Jalen Hurts' hand here to try to either use quick passes to guys like Dallas Goddard or to Devontae Smith, and then really supplement it with him using RPOs or quarterback design runs or trying to get his running backs mixed in here to you know, go any which way in terms of directions, it really becomes a way of they have to blow this thing open, which... I feel like every single person I've talked to has had the same take, so I'm interested in hearing what you think, that it's either the Eagles are going to fail to do that and it's going to be a complete blowout, or they're going to do a pretty successful job at doing it and it's going to be a very high-scoring game and it's going to stay close. And part of that is because of the fact that while they don't have their superstar receivers, they do have those underrated receivers like you mentioned, they also have Gronk, who's had a really great year, obviously the huge story with Brady and Gronk staying on the field so Gronk could get his extra however much money that was. Uh, that amount is escaping me right now. But Gronk becomes a really big X factor, at least on the defensive side of the ball for the Eagles, because of the fact that, A, he's humongous. B, can really take advantage of you know that new, like you were talking about back with the Georgia defense, that newer style, smaller linebacker. And Gronk just is just, he's the prototype of the big, blocking first but can catch anything tight end and what he can do to that and and even with the secondary 
that I still don't love and is still not that great and that you're you have easier receivers, quote unquote easier than a Mike Evans or a Chris Godwin. And we can forget about Antonio Brown and all the craziness that we've gotten even more so since the last time we spoke. I don't know. It just it's like a lot of things defensively don't bode well, at least in my gut for the Eagles defensively. So I get I get nervous there. It just really you're right that it comes down to Jalen Hurts and what he can end up doing. He has the poise to make adjustments. He's done that in a lot of games, especially since that Giants loss where at halftime the offenses looked completely dead and asleep and they just come out in the second half firing and hopefully he can do that here. Hopefully this is, even if it's the Eagles are down 10 points at halftime, maybe they make this thing respectable. It maybe make it even a game, but it is Tom Brady in the playoffs. It's a talented Tampa Bay team, especially defensively. And they're at home. The Eagles have to go on the road on for this. So we will see what happens. This is where you, I mean, you're made a great point. We don't have, the Eagles don't have a defender. Cap- Not that many teams do, but capable of, of defending Rob Gronkowski. Exactly. You know, a guy you would have liked a physical safety like Malcolm Jenkins, who has a little bit more size than say a Rodney McLeod or Anthony Harris, or even a Marcus Epps. He's the kind of guy, uh, Davion Taylor, our young linebacker who's out for the season has the athleticism to potentially stay with Rob Gronkowski, but he's, he's not available. So we really just don't have anybody who's going to be able to, to hang with Rob. Um, yeah. That's just the truth. And I have no way around that. You know, so you're going to have to bracket him, and you're already have to deal with Mike Evans. That's going to leave those other unheralded guys more one-on-one, and opportunities can be found. Plus, a screen pass to a guy like Scotty Miller with Rob Gronkowski blocking him. Yeah, now we're cooking. Now we're cooking with gas. So um, I think you're right. I think a high-scoring game. Yeah, he's good. He's okay. He is good. Yep, he'll play. I mean, he's he's a walking potential injury just because he's so freaking long and lanky. Um, and he's and he's also really good. Um. So, yeah, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, he'll be playing. He'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so that, that he, changes what almost... I just said of the fact that they do have a guy, even if they're keying in on him, trying to do double coverage on Mike Evans, you know, then a Scotty Miller opens up and Tom Brady can take advantage of that. The point we made before with Mahomes yeah. of how Brady does that and has done that for his whole career. Right, right. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I am going to take the Patriots. I mean, I did it. This yeah, the I, I am too. Wow. I'm taking the Bucks. Me, I got it. Yeah, I've got no choice. I'm gonna take the bucks in this <laughs> yeah. one. But hey, you know, I I can't wait to hopefully talk to you from when you're back to Jamaica about how the Eagles pulled it out. I hope so too. Well, let's keep it moving. The middle game on Sunday, the 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys. The 90s rivalry is back. The 49ers winning their way to get into the playoffs. The Cowboys with the unstoppable force that is their offense. This game is gonna be incredibly interesting because of all the different X factors that are in San Francisco right now. But Dallas at times looks unstoppable, but is only a three point favorite here, Matt. Well, I think one of the coolest stats that, and you know, you know, we're, you know, we're Eagles fans. So we want to hear this kind of stuff. Dallas was six and zero against the division and six and five against everybody else. They didn't necessarily have a lot of the wins, you know, against really good teams. Yeah. Um, they are a little hot and cold, little Jekyll and Hyde, starting with their quarterback. So interested to kind of see how that goes. Um, and this is a, a 49ers offense that can hit you in a lot of different ways. And they're going to keep a very good Dallas defense on their toes. I think Dallas's one advantage is the pass defense for the 49ers in terms of their corners. Isn't that great? So if Amari Cooper and, and, um, 
CeeDee Lamb can have some success. It's going to put it, make it a long day um, for the 49ers, but they've got Bosa. They've got Fred, uh, Fred Warner. They've got a lot of talent defensively. And then, um, so there's going to be an opportunity there for, uh, for San Francisco to shut them down a little bit. And I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there of seeing what the 49ers defense brings to the table and potentially what Dallas can do. If they're getting the ball rolling really well, it ends up being, it could become a blowout pretty quickly, but if the 49ers offense versus that Dallas defense starts to get it going and you really see what Debo Samuel's bringing to the table, you see the quarterback play pick up, you know, Let's you know. Let's be honest. It needs to pick up a little bit, but you see what Debo Samuel brings to it. You see what George Kittle, kind of like Gronk, a guy who's a pretty big game changer, more so than Dalton Schultz. Even though Dalton Schultz is having a great year, George Kittle ends up becoming an X factor. It it could be a really fun game, and this might be the highest scoring game of the weekend. Certainly, the total is showing that at fifty one, which is the highest currently on the board. But I don't know. I I. This would be one to see, hopefully be be more high-scoring and not necessarily a defensive battle, but we've seen both offenses be mistake-prone at times, and I think that's what probably the biggest concern is if you're a fan of either team here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's health is important, but yeah, I think true. it's going to be pretty high-scoring. I would agree. You've got athletes on both, on, on, on both offenses who can do a lot of things. As good as I think both defenses are, I think both offenses are – exciting and so i i said i think we'll see that um a little bit here yeah yeah totally uh let's keep it moving though let's go to the steelers at the chiefs steelers completely backdooring their way into the final spot here uh they get the obviously win against the baltimore ravens we talked about pretty banged up then they had to have the colts lose to the jaguars which they did and then almost if not for a first down from Josh Jacobs, almost get tied out of the playoffs. They come in here, a Chiefs team that this whole year, we've gone through the entire gambit of their defense, not being very good, but then being good. Patrick Mahomes did his contract ruin him, and now he's doing pretty well. Various injuries, various running backs being out, various receivers being out. Matt, I'm going to be blunt. The Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. Do the Steelers have a chance of keeping this close? Every team has a chance. It's the NFL. Steelers yep. have a great pass okay. rush, a good running game, um, and a couple weapons. And it's Big Ben's last game, so there'll be some emotion behind it. Uh, but I think this is actually kind of perfect if you're a Steelers fan. This team's not good enough to win the Super Bowl. And I think, I think look, my brother-in-law is a big Steelers fan. Ben said it. He goes, I almost wish they didn't make the playoffs, but I'm rooting for him. I think this is perfect because Big Ben will go, I, I lost to Patrick Mahomes in my last game, right? Um, and the Chiefs have enough offensive firepower to to handle this pass rush. They've obviously Mahomes is mobile, which is important. Um, and and I don't think the Steelers have the offensive firepower to beat this Chiefs team. That defense has come on with Chris Jones being healthy and Tyra Matthew and a couple other playmakers there. So, no, I don't think this game is, is super close, maybe early because the defense is good enough. But then I think the Chiefs pull away with enough big plays um, to, to make this one of the easier wins of the weekend. Yeah, it's worth noting they played three weeks ago, the day after Christmas. The, the Chiefs won 36-10. Kind of a similar game where the Steelers just couldn't get anything going offensively, and the Chiefs got it going and got it going very well, scoring 36 points, obviously. 
Uh, I feel like a similar game is going to happen there, maybe even more so keying in on Najee Harris and trying to slow him down and making Big Ben's arm, which has looked dead completely at times, try to beat them, use Fryermuth, try to use Chase Claypool, try to go that route and see what they could potentially do and make his last game be that impact. But if that's the case, this could be something where the Steelers – Really struggle to get the ball moving and have a lot of three and outs, maybe sneaking a touchdown here or there. You, know, you never know. It is the NFL. And I don't know. It, it becomes something where if it just becomes quick passing to Travis Kelsey, to Tyree Kill, to whomever, Byron Pringle, I mentioned him earlier uh, when we were talking about the Mahomes contract, and you're neutralizing the TJ Watt and friends and the fact that you're just having Patrick Mahomes go one, two, boom. That's probably the key to victory there, and, and they've done it once before, and I think they could continue doing it again. And, yeah, it's probably, if you're a Steelers fan, you know, you at least get to say, you know, hey, you know what? We were mega dogs, and we were pay- playing Patrick Mahomes. That's a perfect way to send uh, send Big Ben off into the sunset and not be too upset about it, unlike a year ago where they lost to the Browns on Sunday Night Football. Right after the great start to the season, too. Yeah. Yep, no. Um It'll work out. You know, I, I think overall the Steelers, I think they're the worst, the weakest team in the playoffs. Um, they're close with the Raiders and honestly our birds as good of a season as they had all things considered. Sure. There's a reason we were supposed to be, you know, four and 13, but punnets to under shit. So anyway, um, I, I'll tune in because it's big Ben's last game and I love watching Patrick play football. Yeah. Those sure. are good reasons though to, to watch it. Yep. So 24 hours later, <laughs> first wild card Monday night game. Sir. A third round, another third round, divisional opponents, the Cardinals and the Rams. Matt, my first question to you, ESPN has decided to have the Manning cast once again for this playoff game. Now, I tuned into a few of these at the beginning of the year. I, I haven't really watched many in the second half of the season. I want to know the ratings for these, and I want to know your opinion over or under a half a person Watching the Manning cast of a playoff game. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think people will tune in. I would say over. Okay. Over. All right. Yeah, I think people have really enjoyed it, and it's been a constant all year. Um, I think your casual fan, maybe not. You know, those that maybe haven't watched a lot of Monday Night Football, but those that were already watching it will watch it again. We'll watch it again. Yeah, I guess so. If, um, you're, a man, if you're an Eli super so, fan, I guess you're for a Giants yeah, fan, maybe. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and look there, look, I've wanted, i wanted Peyton in the booth for years. Yeah. So I like it. Yeah. No, they're good. I'm not trying to shit on it. I just feel like I'm if gonna, you're watching oh, the no, game, gonna, by the way, I'm going to watch the normal broadcast. Yeah. That's my preference. Exactly. I just feel like a lot of people have been watching, like they'll tune in to like maybe see who the guest is, but it becomes like, like you see it all the time in baseball, right? Where they bring in a dude in the fifth inning to like be in the booth and they're barely calling the game. And this is that on, like, the extra casual level where, like, at one point we got Eli doing the, flipping the double bird. <laughs> like, So if right. you're really, like, watching this <laughs> game to, like, really take in what could potentially, and let's actually talk about the game, could potentially be a really exciting football game with two offenses that have at times looked really great and at times looked incredibly mistake-prone. And that has to be underlined three times of – especially Matthew Stafford in the, in the latter portion of the season. I just feel like you want to hear the actual broadcast and not have 
I'm just going to throw this out here, not have like Aaron Rodgers show up because he's on his bye week and they have him in. They're asking him about like, oh, well, what do you think? Like, what do you think of the fact that you're playing the Eagles because they upset the the Bucks and they'd be guaranteed right. to play the play him? And Matthew Stafford throws a pick six, like he did against the Cardinals on, the, on Christmas. Uh, or no, that was the Colts that they played on Christmas. Um, and that was the reverse. Kyler Murray had a lot of had a lot of turnovers there. I uh, see these two teams are so like Matt. I am welding their seasons together. <laughs> Well, I don't have much to say because I said the Patriots four times when talking about Tampa Bay. So I don't have much to stand on there. But um, I think it's going to take away from me, my favorite matchup, to be honest. There's a lot of good ones. You'll know, talk Bills, Patriots. Um, but I, I just think this matchup is incredible. You've got two explosive quarterbacks and offenses, young, fun coaches, you know, defense, a couple defensive stars for the um, – for the Cardinals and obviously a, a bevy of defensive stars for the Rams. Um, it's a huge game for the Rams team. That's all in on making it and for upstart Cardinals team. So um, third time is the charm. I, I think it's great. I think the NFL nailed it with their, uh, with their first Monday night wild card game. I don't think they really could have asked for a better, a better matchup in my mind um, than, than this one, maybe a, a, a redo of the Rams 49ers, but we'll, we'll take this one here. I think it's going to be fantastic. I think you're totally right of this is maybe that or the Bills Patriots. I feel like could have been a good one too to throw on there because it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that one of the games was Monday Night Football, the the previous weather game in Buffalo, like get a redo of that could have maybe been another one. But this is this is a pretty good game of seeing where these two teams have been and, and the fact that they last played almost a month ago, almost to the day. And it ended up being a really good game, right? It ended up being Arizona's uh, not really performing well at home and all that stuff. And where their season started to go from them having the best record in the NFL to, you know, starting to fall off and becoming a wild card team. And I don't know, this is a game where right after that, the Rams started to turn the ball over and started to be a little more sloppy as the season was continuing. So I feel like we're catching these two teams kind of in the similar spots and wanting to prove prove something to themselves, prove something to the division, to the NFL and, and being on the biggest stage is, is great. Well, you, there, there are a lot of teams that have pressure on them in the NFL. I think these are, these might be the top two for me. I, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I mean, that's right. I think there's more pressure on, there's Kirk, a lot of pr- on uh, Kirk Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury. I think Cliff Kingsbury, I think, I think the Rams have a little more pressure because they are Super Bowl or bust. Yeah. And they, yeah, right? they went all in. You're right. They went all in. So to me, they've got a little bit more, not a lot though, but they are a little bit more pressure because this roster can't sustain itself. You talk about having big contracts, having to work around them, right? I mean, yeah. you've got a lot of big contracts and a lot of aging players and minimal depth in the Rams that they're basically getting by with. Um, yeah. So that's a little scary if you're a Rams fan, um, but, the, but, the, but to your point, Cliff Kingsbury has a lot of pressure. Kyler Murray needs to try to change his narrative a little bit. Um, you know, is he a highlight real player or is he a winner this year? Obviously he's been a winner, but he's also to your point struggled, especially in the second half of the season. We've seen this before with him. Um, there's a lot of pressure in this game. That's a great game. I am going to take the Rams here just to be clear. Um, I think they're, I think they're ready. Um, I think they're pretty, pretty darn good. And, um, 
I think that I think Aaron Donald is is ready to to show people, remind people if you've forgotten, which you shouldn't have, that he is the best defensive player and possibly the best player in all of football. Um, but I'm excited for this game. I do hope it's close because I would like excited to watch on a Monday night. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the Rams as well. I think the Rams pull this thing out. Uh I just think the roster's too good, if if nothing else. Uh and honestly, injuries with the with the I almost called the Cardinals the Chargers. With the Cardinals throughout the season, whether it's been James Conner banged up, obviously uh Hopkins being hurt throughout the season, JJ Watt being hurt throughout the season. You know, those are certainly concerns. I feel like just the physicality the Rams can bring to the table is uh Certainly to be concerned, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But yeah, I think it should be a great weekend of football. I'm a little bummed I'm missing it, but I'm also gonna be warm when it's twenty degrees in Philadelphia. So Here we go. Here we go. There we go. But Matt, anything before we wrap this thing up? I, I brought up I posed a great question to myself that I'm now I'm now thinking of is which team has the most pressure this playoffs to win? Um and I might change. I mentioned I think the Rams are up there. Okay. The Packers are up there because Aaron Rodgers has been wishy-washy on what he'll be doing next. Yep. Um, but I actually – I'm going to be honest. I actually think the most pressure, and, and I'm, this is objectively, is actually the Dallas Cowboys because they are getting a lot of heat right now for not being good enough, being kind of a paper tiger, if you will them playing well versus them having an early exit, you know, is going to really ratchet up the negative press. So they have a ton of pressure to beat a, a, a 49ers team and really to get beyond the first round. So I think my one and my, my top three are Rams, uh, Dallas in this order, Dallas, Green Bay, and the Rams. Okay. Um, in terms of pressure, all AFC, all NFC teams. Yeah. I'd probably stay still the Rams for me uh, just because of the fact okay. of their roster being that good. Kind of looking, we talked about strength of schedule, strength of victory. Uh, the Cowboys, you mentioned it. They went 6-0 against the division and 6-5 and against the rest of the NFL. But still, their strength of schedule ends up being 488, one of the best uh, in the of yeah. NFC playoff teams. Strength of victory is 430, which is, or 431, which is the third best of NFC playoff teams, the Eagles being the lowest. Then the Rams at 409. They also have a lower strength of schedule in a worse mm. conference record. I mentioned they also went three and three in their division, a much better division, sent two more teams to the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, it does become a question of their the Cowboys defense, whereas and, you know, they can also maybe be like, oh, well, we were banged up, right? Like Leighton Vander Esch missed some time and all that stuff like the Rams. They loaded up. They went and got Va Von Miller in the middle of the year. They have Aaron Donald. They have all these different guys. Odell that, Beckham. Yeah, Odell Beckham they went and got and really have integrated him well into the offense and so much and so forth. I just feel like with that and and the capital, both draft-wise and cap-wise, and what you may have to sacrifice going forward, is just there's so much more leverage on that. Where The Cowboys have a lot of questions to that too, right? You have guys that are still in rookie deals. You have guys that... That are, go that are going to expire. You have some guys that are on rookie deals. Obviously, Micah Parsons is still a rookie that aren't expiring. But you have guys whose contracts are expiring, and you have to make a choice on on one way or the other. And you've invested a lot of money on some guys already. So the Cowboys certainly have that. It becomes that Seahawks uh, point that you made of 
you're going to have to get more creative of building it. So that's like a, I guess for long, so that's maybe the answer. Long term, it's the Cowboys. Short term, it's the Rams. Yeah, I think they're really close, one and two. Yeah. Um, yep, no, I'm with you. And the Cowboys, because they're such a national brand, you know, they, they can kind of withstand that negative criticism in sure. a weird way. They're still going to be immensely popular next year, you know, yeah. follows the Rams. I know they're in L.A., but half their stadium or 60 to 70 percent of their stadiums filled with the opposing team's fans oh, yeah. or just random fans that just show up with different jerseys on. So, yeah, um, makes me laugh. I do think it was an interesting <laughs> point, though, that I and I agree with you. I don't really think any AFC team has like the pressure to get it done. Certainly none of the wildcard teams. They're all like we're happy to be here. They all have house money. The Patriots, you thought it was going to be a down year with a rookie quarterback. The Steelers literally had to have a miracle happen for them to be in the playoffs, and they're in there. And then the Raiders are one of the best stories in sports to make the playoffs. The Bengals, same thing. Everybody thought they were going to suck, and they're just a feel-good story, so they feel like they've maybe made that step. So maybe the Bengals, because you do, like, but it's again like not in the playoffs, but in the going forward after this year to use a different sport. It's like the McDavid 2017 Oilers. They made it to the second round. They lost in game seven. They haven't gotten back there. So, like, if the Bengals going forward in 2022 and beyond want to make sure they continue this, you know, moving forward with this. But right now there's no pressure, right? Like, maybe the Bills because there, right. there was a lot of talk. But, again, like, at times, like, when the Patriots beat them on Monday Night Football, all of a sudden – Everything and all expectations went out the window for the Bills. Like we always, like we kind of forget that they beat the Chiefs earlier this year. And then, like you, you could say the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are the two seed, so they got to play an extra game. And at certain times, we were questioning them in the middle of the season. And then the Titans somehow becoming the one seed is even more huge. Like the, nobody expected that. So I don't know. I think you saying no pressure on the AFC, at least in the playoffs right now, is correct. Yeah, I mean, well, there's pressure, right? I don't want, I want to like, but just comparatively, yeah, I think we like got a, a lot of not teams. like a the time, like the clock's about to strike midnight for Cinderella kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, yes, exactly. And you know, the teams that are that are there's some teams there that are just happy to be there, like like the Steelers yeah. and the Raiders to an extent. And then there's the ups, upstart teams. I think the Bills are still considered kind of on the upswing. Bengals are on the upswing. The Titans with a surprising year without Derrick Henry. Maybe they've got a little more pressure than I'm giving them credit for, but no one expected them to be the one seed, and many people thought they might not win their division. You know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They've already won. I, there's there's some pressure on Patrick Mahomes. He's got to prove that, you know, such a bad taste in his mouth after that Tampa Bay loss last year, plus their swoon this year. People were questioning him, you know, but he's a big-time quarterback on a great team with a $500 million, you know, 15-year deal. He'll be fine. Certainly. Yeah, and I think – Kind of to finish the point on it, we talked about those teams that are really disappointed, the Colts, the Browns, the Chargers. Well, maybe not necessarily the Chargers, but the Colts and the Browns. Like, the yeah, obviously there's everything with Baker and the and the Browns. Like, that's probably where the answer came to of the we needed a win right now kind of team. And now you're kind of wondering, you know, where the hell where the hell are we twiddling our thumbs? But, you know. Right. There's a lot fun. of teams that didn't make the playoffs that have more pressure on them. You mentioned them. The Seahawks are also one, I would say. Yep. Um, that I would put on that list. You know, so some of those teams who didn't make the playoffs maybe even have more pressure. Yep, totally. exactly. All right, well, Matt, any last thoughts outside of that last thought? 
Well, I do think last thought I'll have, you know, NFL MVP, I, I do think it'll be Aaron Rodgers. Um, he had a fantastic year for the Packers, led him to the number one seed. Um, and, and I think helping him is the fact that Jordan Love came in and kind of sucked. Um, so it shows you how important a great quarterback is, somewhat of a bounce back year. So Certainly. I do think he gets it over Tom Brady and Joe Burrow, who I think are both very valuable. Burrow has a great argument, right? And so does Tom. Um, and I, you know, sadly, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor would be my – I'd love to see them on the list. I think they both had great years. Um, but I don't think they'll make it to the top three. So that would be my MVP list. I like it. Yeah, I think it's Aaron Rodgers and just how well he played. But um, I love the guy that still – like he had to issue the apology after saying he wasn't going to vote for him. It's okay. You can vote for whoever you want. Right. By the way, coach of the year, my hat's in the ring for our guy, Nick Sirianni. That's my opinion. We'll see if that works out, but he would be the guy I would be looking at. Um, That's potential. I mean, would Basikia get it because of the Raiders and the incredible story? Maybe, but he wasn't the coach all year. Yeah, I I would say like, do interims not count? Would you give it to I Zach? Know, I, to, I, I, I not Zach Taylor. No, they should count. Would you? Zach, uh, Zach Taylor should be on the list. Um, no, that is his name. I'm, why was I thinking someone else's name is the Bengals coach? Because um, yeah, that that team like people thought they were going to be like five and twelve. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I think I think he's got to be another guy on the list too. Um, yeah, but Sirianni's done it with the team that no one had any real real hope for, if you will, outside of Philadelphia, even in Philadelphia. <laughs> in Philadelphia, so, I mean, it was like yeah. a year ago we got hired. Any of the weird – remember the weird introductory press conference? Everybody's like, this is the guy. Yeah, I know, right? And he's come a long way. It is the guy, clearly. So yeah. got a little bit of that Doug Peterson to him, which maybe we do or don't like. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, But, yeah, all right, Matt. That will do it. Thank you so much for jumping on and chatting some football with me, man. Of course, man. Oh, it was awesome. I'm excited for the weekend. I hope you do enjoy that warmer weather. I know we'll talk when you get back. At least you can try to follow along maybe on your phone. Never, You never know. So Yeah, you never um, know. You never know how these things congrats go. Congrats to the – yep, congrats to your boy. And I'll uh, be looking forward to connecting when you get back and uh, recapping the weekend. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. But that'll do it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. Mash that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram. Thunderbox Sports is the handle there. ThunderBLG on Twitter. But for my man, Matty D, I am the G-Man. Have a great weekend, everybody. And fly, Eagles, fly!